Welcome back to another episode of Sean and Ed's Do Baseball. I'm Sean. And I'm Ed's. We're doing baseball part two today. Part two? Part two. Yeah, I was going to say, is this still episode 20, part two, or is this 21, episode 20, part two? Uh, So if you don't know, uh, this is part two. Um, Okay. And we are a baseball history podcast where we take turns turns, uh, sharing stories about baseball history. Uh, So I don't know what, I know the first part of what just took place here. He didn't originally know what I was going to be telling the story about. So so to catch you up, the Coles notes uh, are uh, basically, this is the about the uh, formation of the, the Players League back in 1890. Uh, and uh, who, was, who was the man that, that started this all? John Montgomery Ward. John Montgomery Ward. Not Bill Ward. Not Bill Ward. Of Black Sabbath. (laughs) Black Sabbath. Uh, Before we get into this, uh, follow us on Twitter at Doing Baseball and on Instagram. At Doing.Baseball. Doing.Baseball. So basically what's going on is they've been trying to start a players league because of the... Reserve rule. Reserve rule where basically... players they're, are stuck with teams forever yeah and they're uh, un, they're unhappy with the classification system that is very arbitrary that is is uh the the owners of the teams are deciding what their salaries are, are based on these yes, arbitrary rules. yes so they pulled a bunch of stars and they're forming their own league now there's three baseball leagues the nl who is the owners and the rivals of the players league the american association uh who Plays a small role in, in all of this. But and they like to play baseball on Sundays and serve do. alcohol. They and, do. That's and their thing. serve the poorer classes. And the Players League, which is all uh, labor-focused, and the players get a profit just the same as the owners or the investors. So let's go. Let's go. We are about to start the first year of the Players League. Yes. April 19th, 1890, the season began. All right. In Boston... The Brooklyn Players League squad lined up against the Boston players before a large crowd of 10,000 spectators. The Brooklyn Bridegrooms also played in Boston that day before a much smaller crowd of 4,000. The Sporting News proclaimed, quote, The Brotherhood teams have scored the first blood and the first knockdown as the Players League outdrew the National League 26,000 to 17,000 on opening day. It's quite a difference. That, that is a pretty big difference. It's 9,000. Especially, yeah, people are paying a quarter, so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> that's, that's a good a chunk of money gr- back then. a few then. grand. Yeah. That's one player's yearly salary. Exactly. <laughs> Every team but Ward supplied their turnstile counts to the press for publication and naturally did their best work to look good. Albert Spaulding wrote, quote, If either party to this controversy ever furnished to the press one solitary, truthful statement, a monument should be erected to his memory. <laughs> Basically, he might, he's. We were all bullshit. We were all lying. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> That's he, quite, a, quite a thing to say yes. out loud. <laughs> he continued I recall being present one day at Chicago when the attendance was particularly light. At the close of the contest, I was talking to Club Secretary Brown when a reporter came up asking, What's the attendance? 
Without a moment's hesitation, the official replied, 2418. As the scribe passed out of hearing, I inquired, Brown, how do you reconcile your conscience to such a statement? Why, he answered, don't you see? There are 24 on one side and 18 on the other. <laughs> if he reports 2418, that's a matter for his conscience and not mine. <laughs> So they're just throwing shit oh, out there. But that's probably maybe not a true story, but... But, yeah, it's... It's, it's yeah, how, how it was. Just, yeah, it's yeah. hyperbole to drive home the point, regardless yeah. of the truth or not. But anyway, maybe it's true. The Sporting News noted the low attendance at ball games, reporting one game in a National League city as 52 people, including the ball players, six babies, and seven yaller dogs. <laughs> There's more dogs than babies here. (laughs) Low attendance was not a laughing matter, however. Yeah, stop laughing. Spalding observed that, quote, the fan more interested in the outcome of the struggle than in the game itself could discern the attendance figures in the paper without ever going to a game. Interest in baseball will soon die out. I regret to say it, but I am convinced that this is the case. All right, baseball's gone, everybody. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> that was the last year they ever played. <laughs> 1890, according to Spalding, it's going to die. Uh, PL officials dismissed Spalding's comments and stated that, quote, the Players League is more than satisfied with the outlook. But before the season was half over, the press was begging for an end to the Brotherhood War. To carry on the war is only proving financially disastrous, the Sporting News wrote. The Brooklyn Daily Eagle claimed... Quote, too many cooks spoil the soup. <laughs> That's one way to say it. Yeah, they're much more, uh, like... Too many meta- cooks in the kitchen. They're much more metaphorical with their... We got too much professional baseball. Yeah. That's what they're saying. And blamed the, the Players League for baseball's drop, quote, to second, if not third place in the favor of the amusement-seeking public. <laughs> what was first? <laughs> I don't know. It's probably just drinking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, despite the public criticism and the warning of sports writers, both sides continued the battle with each refusing to change their schedules or their policies towards blue laws. Okay. The Players League boasted of outdrawing their counterparts in the National League. The National League was losing considerable amounts of money, although they insisted on hanging in and did considerable work behind the scenes to behold the illusion of stability. National League leaders began to recognize that a compromise might be the best result for the season rather than a clear-cut victory in, quote, a war to the death. All right, so we're at a stalemate. Yes. (laughs) Everyone's losing. Yes. The American Association, too, was in dire straits and turned to the Players League for its support. No compromise was made, however, and the Brotherhood War had essentially become a game of monopoly whose winner would be the last league left in operation. Financial losses mounted for all clubs. The National League tried to entice some Brotherhood players back to the National League ranks with lucrative deals in an attempt to sow discord among the Players League. King Kelly was offered $10,000 and a three-year contract by Al Spaulding to rejoin the Boston National League Club. Kelly turned the deal down and said, quote, I want the 10000 bad enough, but I've thought the matter all over, and I can't go back on the boys. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's, that's, so, but he actually offered him a, a 
years on his contract. Is that is he, three years and and forever actually? Yes. <laughs> is yes. he still? Is he like? Uh, I guess he might be offering him an out. Actually, I know how this happens. Anyways, <laughs> we've heard about this in a past episode yes. before. We have. Oh yes. my god. Yes. Okay. We're back around. Yeah. Okay, uh, Buck Ewing was offered $8,000 and part ownership in his hometown Cincinnati club. But all that these failed attempts by the NL would accomplish is the players' affirmation of their loyalty to the Brotherhood, and the papers were soon filled with such statements. The NL owners kept a nonchalant posture despite their failed attempts to weaken the players' league by defection. Quote, I know that we are losing money, yet we started out this season with that idea. The Brotherhood teams are, corporate, or are corporations, and when they begin to waver, they will all go under at once. The league is largely a personal concern. The men at the back of the clubs will fight long before they allow the league to go under. Um, so I guess the National League is just, confident that their players are being they're... treated like shit will fight for their right to party? I guess. And they're just they're just being dicks. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah we're fine. We're the National League. We're losing money and they're outdrawing us, but it's fine. And we expected to lose money. They'll go away and then we'll be back to ruling everything. Because we're the kings. Mm-hmm. Hell damn ass kings. <laughs> Early in the month of July, the Sporting News wrote, quote, There can be no question that New York National League owner John B. Day has been a big loser on the season. <laughs> what <laughs> Playing a loser. To, yeah, what a loser. Playing to empty benches. He cannot stand the drain much longer unless someone comes to his assistance. <laughs> the Sporting News wrote. <laughs> <laughs> on July 4th, Spalding... And other National League owners spent $80,000 to prop up the National League Giants, whose bankruptcy would have likely doomed the National League. Spokesmen continued to predict confidently, quote, but one outcome of this fight, and that is victory for the National League. Oh, my God. So they're, they're just, they're saving a franchise. They're like, we're just, still going to win. Yeah. We're still better than you. You might have fucked over this one, but we're going to prop. Remember when we said we were against unionizing? Well, the teams can come together, yeah. just the players can't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck you guys. The PL put up a front for the public too, however, and it was difficult for the public to discern which circuit held the upper hand. It probably depended on which paper you read. John Ward gave many interviews as the season drew to a close, stating, quote, the Brotherhood is in it to stay, and the Players League has taken the place of the National League as the leading baseball association in the business. Ward boasted a profit for his Brooklyn franchise that's uh, Ward boasted a profit for his Brooklyn franchise that season, all the while a five thousand dollar lien was placed against their Eastern Park ball field. Yeah, there was an unpaid debt yeah, to some yeah, roofers or something. I guess. Uh, the sporting news noted that uh, the Sporting News noted that the news of the lean, in comparison to Ward's season-long comments, quote, will cause many a liberal-thinking critic to wonder how much truth there is in the statements of the average baseball magnate. Despite the setbacks behind the scenes, in the final days of the 1890 season, the Players League made two moves that should have turned the war in their favor once and for all. Should have. Should have. <laughs> News of the athletics of the American Association being bankrupt leaked out of Philadelphia, and they were bought by G.W. and J.E. Wagner, who were both prominent shareholders in the Philadelphia Players League Club. 
the two realtors eyed consolidation of both franchises for 1891. In a more significant blow to the National League, a Players League investors group including Albert Johnson, Edwin Talcott, Frank Brunel, and John Ward bought the Cincinnati National League franchise for $48,000. Cincinnati was a noted baseball town and always drew large crowds. By purchasing a National League club in the midst of the season, the Players League gained stature and the press began to call for settlement at any cost. All right. So the Players League, like, they just bought They just bought a mid-season. team mid-season. They're just like, you're in the Players League now? That's right. All right. That's great. That's right. <laughs> They're killing it. Uh, so, the trend, quote, the trend of public opinion plainly tells the baseball magnates that some means must be devised in the coming winter to bring the present strife to an end. The Sporting News noted... The war has done baseball no good, and it would be ridiculous to continue it. The Brooklyn Eagle wrote, quote, The game has certainly lost much of its former popularity. The people seem to have had a surfeit and to be disposed to take a rest. The final Players League game of the season was described by Chicago writer, quote, That gurgling noise heard yesterday at 5 o'clock was the death rattle of old baseball. <laughs> When umpire Knight called the game at the end of the fifth inning, the few mourners who were present at the last rites silently arose and passed out with the bowed heads and the air of men burdened with grief. Jesus. It was somehow a fitting end to this sorry baseball season of 1890. They ended in the fifth inning just because it was dark? The rain drizzled Uh, down intermittently. The fog hung so low that the players looked like creatures of a mirage. Looking through the haze, a man could imagine himself adrift in a mighty sea with the fog waves tumbling at him. The players were dim blurs of black and white. The game amounted to nothing and ended in a tie. <laughs> All right. Well, that's one way to... That's one way to describe the last yeah. game. Yeah. The season ended in disarray. The Players League Boston players won the pennant over the Ward's Wonders despite having played three less games due to rainouts. The National League Bridegrooms became the only team in history to win back-to-back pennants in different leagues. That's amazing. Where did where the Bridegrooms? The Bridegrooms were originally an American Association yes. team and then got taken to the National League when uh, the Brooklyn team left for the Players League. Jesus, all right. Yeah, it's, a lot of, of it's a lot of moving around here. All right. Uh, and in the American Association, the Louisville Colonels, more Colonels, more Colonels, more Colonels, became the first team to go from worst to first with a major league best eight eighty-eight. Sorry, not eight eighty-eight, eighty-eight and forty-four record, which replaced a dismal twenty-seven and hundred and eleven record oh. in eighteen eighty-nine. That's a turnaround. Big turnaround. Several teams compiled strong records and likely turned profits. However, several teams struggled financially and were in the red. Both leagues as a whole failed to make a profit. National League losses were estimated between $300,000 and $500,000. The Players League suffered losses of approximately $125,000. And the American Association was even worse off, having lost the Philadelphia Club in bankruptcy. The Brooklyn AA Club went under two and finished the season in Baltimore. 
Every faction of Major League Baseball was adversely affected, affected by the Brotherhood War, but the Players League seemed to be in the best position to emerge from the season and the peace talks unscathed. The leagues met to discuss terms of settlement in the offseason. Many backers of the Players League suddenly voted to withdraw from the fight and sell out to the National League. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. I know. And it came without consultation or input from the Brotherhood of Players. Yeah. Sons of bitches. Yeah. The quote, stab in the back, came as a result of naivety, inexperience, and cowardice on part of the Players League backers, and as cold-bloodedness on the part of the National League owners. Jesus. So, so the, the backers of the Players League are like, oh, fuck, we lost money. This sucks. And the National League is just like, we lost a ton of money. Come to us. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. We, no, no, no. We will keep burning money just to burn this league. No, no, no. Just wait. Oh, God. Okay. Here we go. Uh, the stab in the back. The confusion was rampant among the ranks of the Players League, as players and investors had no idea where each other stood. The confusion led to dissension and a situation of every man for himself, a situation that the National League hoped for all season long. Jesus. Cap Anson, an avowed fire heater, eat fire eater. <laughs> like what? <laughs> figure of speech. <laughs> okay. For the National League, wanted quote the war of extermination to go on until the bitter end. <laughs> war of extermination. Oh God, Cap. Jeez, yeah. all right. However, most leaders, such as Albert Spaulding, had, quote, no desire to die with their boots on. John Ward, too, spoke for settlement. Quote, I favor a compromise with the National League. Upon the best terms which can be made, I want to protect the men who put their money into the Players League clubs, and I am willing to make personal sacrifices to secure that end. If a compromise is effected and I am assigned to play in Oshkosh, I will go there. All right. What's wrong with Oshkosh? Yeah, I know. It's probably just like low, low ball. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Players League was a dominant. Uh, the Players League was in a dominant position in October of 1890, having built eight stadiums, signing the leading players of the day, winning court decisions, and validating the National League contracts, having an exciting season, and outdrawing the National League. Yeah. Quote with all due respect. The Players League is a pretty healthy yearling, the Sporting News said. Yeah, that's my that's my thought. <laughs> yeah, they're kicking ass. Yeah, they're doing better. They're kicking ass. All right. Okay. John Ward was showing high confidence in the future of his enterprise. He offered an olive branch to the American League and the National League in the form of support for a new national agreement. He still strongly opposed the reserve rule, favoring the Players League method of long-term contracts, declaring, quote, is not unjust, and while it protects the player, it also protects the club. Ward was one of few men looking out for the best interest of the players, unfortunately. Al Johnson, Wendell Goodwin of Brooklyn, and Edwin Talcott met with Al Spaulding and John B. Day in New York to discuss a compromise at a meeting of which the details are still unclear to this day. Spaulding asked about the Players League's financial standing and the Players League representatives honestly disclosed their losses for the season. Okay. Spalding did not reveal the financial problems for the National League to the Players League backers. Ah, uh, oh, fuck. So they're, they're 
They're pretending like everything's fine. They're pretending fine. like everything's fine. Oh, like, oh, you guys lost money. That's weird. We have never lost money. The Players League investors who were new to the baseball business were unaware of what constituted acceptable losses for a season and were left feeling in jeopardy. The leaders of the organization, having failed to reach their goal of $20,000 in profits, now believed perhaps theirs was the only league to have lost money and looked for a way to save their investment. Their relationship with the Brotherhood was the first casualty. Oh, God. The old league ceased talks of settlement. Sensing a turning of the tides, Al Reach of the Phillies stated, quote, If the Players League think we are trying to seek a compromise, they are greatly mistaken. They have invited this fight, and the National League will be the last to give up. Jesus Motherfuckers. The Players League was to be represented by three capitalists and three players, as stipulated in their league constitution. An objection to the presence of the players was raised before the proceedings began. Ward rose to speak in defense of his fellow players, identifying themselves as not only athletes, but also as stockholders. Quote, I believe I have more money at stake proportionally than any other gentleman and on any committee. I have every dollar I own invested in the Players League, and if I were not a player, there could not be no objection to my presence to be here. I am objected to solely because I am a player. There is upon each of the subcommittees of the National League and the American Association a member who was formerly a player. Do these men wish to go on record as saying that the occupation of ball player bars him from business association with respectable men? Mr. Spaulding, are you willing to put a stamp of infamy upon the profession of which for years you were a member and to which you owe your start in life? Jesus, man, that's good. It's good with John Ward is Jesus. a fucking. He just spits fire. No, yeah. he's 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 absolutely. But I just love that like the players association built by the players, and then like the first thing is just like now, nah, nah, you're not me. allowed at nah, the table. You're not allowed, <laughs> yeah. you players. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so, you yeah, don't know think about business. <laughs> We're not getting the wool pulled over our eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A brief recess was held before the meeting resumed, and after further discussion. The player reps were barred from the meeting, and Ward and his companions left the hotel out a side door, refusing to make any comment. Because oh the comment was probably "Go fuck yourself." Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Events transpired the qu- events transpired quickly and brought an effective end to the players' league. Talcott and McAlpin consolidated the New York Players League franchise with the Giants of the National League for 1891. Wendell Goodwin merged his Brooklyn Players League team with Burns Bridegrooms. And in Chicago, John Addison sold out to Spalding for part ownership in the White Stockings. John Ward, quote, I don't like the way certain capitalists of the Players League have been acting of late. <laughs> no <laughs> fucking shit. You know, joining the National League? <laughs> yeah. They are not treating the players in good, feet, in good faith. It would be a good idea if the Players League made up the losses of some of them and allowed them to retire. This is a good point. It's just like, if you don't want to be part of the Players League, like just go, just buy into the National League, dicks. Uh, Ward had to face the fact that there was a Players League no more. Only a brotherhood of players bereft of financial backing. Damn. Quote, the Players League had the call when the season closed, but the ridiculous and needless weakening by the local backers has placed it in an embarrassing position. While the National League magnates have been benefited, benefited, when they stated 
When they started in with this fight, they knew very well what to expect, and they have no idea, they have no right to squeal now. There are lots of players who have put their all into the Players League who are willing to play for almost nothing next season to f- continue the fight if necessary. No, I am not in favor of consolidation. I think with a non-conflicting schedule, two clubs can live in New York and Brooklyn and also in Boston, Philadelphia, and Chicago. I think both sides could make money and the public would be better suited and be pleased. Once again, back to the public or the politics analogy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, if you just work together, things yeah. will be better, people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. The battle was over. Al Johnson returned to the Players League after being rejected by Spalding in a deal that would amalgamate the Cleveland squad with the Chicago teams and swore to, quote, go broke if necessary. <laughs> this, is the, this is the trolley guy. This is yeah. the streetcar guy. Yeah, well... Uh, the Players League was irreparably damaged by the loss of the franchises in America's largest markets, New York and Chicago. The Sporting News wrote, quote, We have gone back on the Brotherhood because that organization allowed itself to be controlled by a lot of capitalists like Talcott, McAlpin, and Goodwin, who took the first opportunity to throw the players down. And that's the Brotherhood's fault somehow. Yeah. <laughs> They associated with people with money who threw them under the bus. Yeah, as fuck them. As soon as the players allowed these ducks to run them, they lost their identity and forfeited our support. Just now, there's no Players League and no Brotherhood. This being the case and the players having shown their complete inability to manage their affairs, we see no way out of the difficulty but a return to the old order of things. It is a pity, but Ward, Ewing and all... We'll have to be slaves once more. Okay. Fucking awful. That is... Oh, God. Yeah. Well, I guess there's nothing else we can do. Back to... Back to slavery. (laughs) Fucking Christ. Well, you don't have to play baseball, I guess. Yeah. Uh, But you're good at it, and it's all you've ever done. So anyway, carrying on. By the end of November, they would say, quote, The Players League is dead. Goodbye, Players League. Your life has been a stormy one. Because of your existence, many a man has lost by thousands of dollars. And before long, all that will be left of you is a memory. A sad, discouraging memory. Oh, God. But now they're just rubbing it in. Yeah. Like, why? No, it's just that you won. <laughs> yeah. Leave it alone. It's not even... This isn't even the National League. This is just like a newspaper being like... Oh, well, yeah. The newspaper. <laughs> you guys are dead sides. now. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, this paper was on their side this is the sporting yeah. news oh my God, and then man. once like they misunderstood what happened yeah. they were just like fuck the players league all of a sudden dancing on their grave anyway oh god players salaries drastically were reduced in 1891 go figure tim keefe went from a $4,500 salary to one of three thousand dollars jim o'rourke saw his salary lowered by a thousand dollars Roger Connor, after batting 372 and leading the Players League in home runs, took a $500 cut down to $3,000. Players League players were restored to their clubs of 1889, and some were forced to sign with whomever the league told them to. (laughs) (laughs) Not whoever they wanted. Yeah. This led to conflict known as the 1891 Association War between the American Association and the National League clubs as each club or as each league failed to honor the agreement and made attempts to raid one another's organizations for players. 
The American Association collapsed after the 1891 season, having been weakened greatly by the Brotherhood War, putting four of its clubs into the National League, and the other four franchises received $130,000 each to quit baseball. What? So the like four teams that like weren't gonna carry on be absorbed into the National League, oh, they, they were just, just like bought out. Oh, and, like okay. here's, here's you're not a team yeah, anymore. Yeah. here's some money. Go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, the National League now held a pro baseball monopoly and had become the Baseball Trust, which Ward had warned of. The National League quickly reestablished the reserve rule and the practice of selling players. Go figure. Yeah. In an interview arranged by Spalding in late 1890, Ward revealed the toll which the season had taken on him. Ward had been a tireless worker for the Players League, as well as the shortstop and manager of the Brooklyn team, where he enjoyed his best season as a player, hitting 369 with a league-leading 207 hits. Holy hell. So he's like a lawyer, union leader, like running the whole fucking league, manager. managing the team, playing shortstop, and just hitting 370. Just hitting 370 and 207 hits. Killing it. Quote, to tell you the truth, I have thought but very little about baseball for the last three weeks. But I should say that it's pretty muddled. It doesn't make a particle of difference to me what is done by the league. I am satisfied to go out of the business in May. I worked faithfully for principal and don't know now may be the best time to stop. I will enjoy a little country life from now until the first of the year and then go into a law office here in New York and practice my profession. I am not certain that I will remain in the business I certainly will not unless I have something to say in the matter. Uh, well, at least he, he has something to fall back on. Yeah. He's, he's, he'll be fine. Yeah. Words but, all right. But he's d- just destroyed, though, yeah, by he's the last dis- year and a he half. He is disheartened completely. Yeah, no wonder. Uh, Spalding generously told Ward, quote, Well, John, if you had died last June, the Players League would have gone to rest. <laughs> Holy fuck! Yeah. <laughs> if I had killed you... If I had called that hit on you. What the fuck is wrong with Spalding? Like, I mean, Spalding's fucked, man. Yeah, he's, he's an not, asshole. Yeah. Uh, you were the man who single-handedly kept it alive. Ward replied, quote, I was almost dead long before that, but struggling along thinking the other fellows were in a bad way. Uh, he's 34. Wow. <laughs> Ward played, no, he's 30 at this point. Ward played four more years, two with the Brooklyn National League squad and the final two with the Giants. After 17 years in the big leagues, he retired at the age of 34. 17 years in the big leagues at the age of 34. He 17, yeah. yeah. He continued to fight the good fight for players' rights. As a lawyer, he often defended players in disputes with ownership. While he was always proud of his work with the Brotherhood and the Players' League, when he was inducted into Cooperstown in 1964, the mention of either enterprise was omitted from his plaque. Ooh. And that's... That's That's, that's they, they the, just... the end of John Ward. And, yeah, they just left out the whole Players League part. That is a... Like, that is... That is quite a story that's just... I had no idea. That's probably, like, the yeah, one that... of the first labor wars, for sure, in mm-hmm. professional sports. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the NL was just willing to just lose hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, just go down and then, and then like, but they, but the tricky bastards found a way. 
Well, it's like the experience versus the inexperienced, right? Yeah. Like the yeah. the NL was probably shitting their pants, being like, "Well, if, if these if their backers stay with them, like we're screwed." Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. only plan, they're like, "What if we just lie? What if we to don't say anything? <laughs> we'll just pretend like, oh man, you lost some money this year. That's horrible. We've never lost <laughs> yeah. money. That's never happened to us. There's not definitely." You didn't read about this having to bail out eighty grand for Brooklyn? No, 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 that didn't happen. Don't worry. Oh no, no, no. no oh my! Like that is, that's just infuriating and just yeah, devastating. It is. It's like it, that's what I found. Like going through this research, which like I sh- I should mention. Um, there's a uh, oh, I wish I could remember his name. I'll put it. I'll put it on the uh, the episode when I post it. There's a really good episode. Uh, essay uh-huh. about like it's really long it's like a seven chapter essay and it's like all about the history of like the brotherhood and uh the players, the players league. league and and i i had known about the players league having from i think it's well obviously from the delahanty and the yeah. radburn episodes yeah. but uh i i wasn't aware that it was actually the most successful of the leagues at the time and they were actually you know, taken out by deception. Yeah, you know? and, the whole, and the whole, like, just war associated with it. And the fact that it was, like, honestly, like, like everyone can look back at, at, the, uh, at the rule and say it's, like, that's not good. You can't just have somebody, like, tethered to you and, and you're the only, like, you can't... It's like a monopoly clause, right? Like, you're just like, oh, well, I just own you. You can't work for anybody else and... and it's it's just messed up, and the fact that like how long did that stay on? Like we're gonna have another episode from eighteen seventy nine. I think I said until nineteen seventy five. Yeah, essentially, so that, that, except maybe like that one year where this brotherhood war was going on, and they were not yeah. having it. Well, and that's the thing is like we know from the Radburn and the Delahanty, at least some of these guys were able to come back and and get out of the the clause. Sorry, mm-hmm. why is it escaping me right now? What's the clause? The, the, the reserve room. The reserve clause. Yeah, no, it's it's so like Radburn and stuff, I think, was able to to get Yeah, out of but that. it was really generally only guys who were superstar players were able to flex their, their you muscle. know, their muscle and and yeah, move everybody on else for was it. just kind of told where to go, both literally and figuratively. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Just go fuck yourself. You're playing for the for the, the yeah. them. I don't care. Yeah. Just you're on out. the Reds, but guess what? You're in a different league now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! No, that was just that was like exa- like I, I it was a great story. It was just mm-hmm. exhausting to, to to hear. I can't imagine living through that. Yeah, exactly. How, and, and having to go through all of that shit but it's it's shit that it's like still going on that's why i picked that no. that subject because i mean there's been a deal supposedly reached now and we're supposedly going to see baseball by the end of the month but probably by the time this episode's online but um Can when you- i started researching there was it was debate it was it was dispute between owners and players about what was you know well, like, a fair deal to get this season underway. But can you just imagine, like, nowadays, just, you know, like, Aaron Judge and Mike Trout just, like, get a whole bunch of guys and start their own league? Like, I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> See, would you, though? Because <laughs> they'd be crushed. <laughs> we know that. We know how it would go for them. Like, we well, literally know. Well, what, what, there's a similar of what the WHL was, was kind of, not, 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 
similar in the same sense of of like a brotherhood or a union coming together to create mm-hmm. their own league. But or like, it's a competitive league. Yeah, or the, the XFL or the NFL league. and stuff yeah. like that. Like, so we know how this kind of works out in the long run. Well, because the people that have the power flex that power hard. Yeah. And it's really hard to compete with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, unless you're like kind of willing to like exist on like a second tier under lo- their under their thumb, yeah, like lose you're not a ton gonna, of money yeah. until maybe one day you become more popular. Yes, and like the sad thing is that this could have this could have undermined the National League if just the 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 backers would have just stuck to their guns oh and God. and looked into it more. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, at the same point, though, everyone was lying. So I don't yeah, even know what true. to say. According to Spalding, who uh, was the biggest liar. But uh, anyway. That so, was wild. All yeah. right. That was... Uh, so that was our special two-part story for our 20th episode and our uh, 21st episode or whatever. So Yeah. Uh, that was that was great. We'll, we'll have a few more two-parters in the future. We'll definitely have more labor relations stories in the mm-hmm. future. But this mm-hmm. is definitely a great one to start with. Thanks for that, Edzie. Uh, that was... That was just something else. Uh, all right. Yeah, so follow us on Twitter at Doing Baseball and on Instagram at Doing.Baseball. Check us out on Spotify. Give us a follow on there and uh, Apple Podcasts and uh, tell your friends. Yeah, and by the time you're hearing this, you might actually be watching some baseball or not because there's a pandemic. So uh, yeah. uh, until remains to be seen. Until next time, uh, I'm Sean. And I'm Eds. And we we're, were doing, doing some baseball. baseball. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.